BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Beton and Noam Weisman for the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wandering Jews as they tackle topics and uncomfortable questions about Israel, Judaism, and Zionism that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. Listen to Wandering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wandering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Media. Hey everybody, and welcome back to It Could Happen Here, a show about the ways things are falling apart. Well, welcome back to you, the listener. Welcome to me, your guest host. I'm Molly Conger, filling in for James for a few weeks. If you're happy to be hearing my voice, feel free to share that feedback anywhere you post online. If you're upset about the state of affairs, I suggest writing your congressional representative or mailing a cryptic postcard to your local ATF field office. As your guest host, I'll try to bring you the It Could Happen Here content you know and love, dispatches from the front lines of our dystopia, updates on the people trying to unravel society as we know it, and what's being done to stop the rising tide that threatens to swallow us all. Today, I'm joined by Garrison, and I'm going to tell them a little bit about what's been going on with Patriot Front. Hello, Patriot Front. Fantastic. One of the gayer groups of Nazis operating in the United States. (laughs) It's just guys being dudes, Garrison. You wouldn't understand. I, I, I certainly wouldn't, no. You may remember Patriot Front from such iconic moments as getting arrested en masse at a gay pride event in Idaho in 2022, having their internal comms leaked repeatedly. Including Co- nearly, <laughs> nearly constantly. Constantly. Including some videos of questionably sensual pat-downs. Um, <laughs> or accidentally giving several members mild carbon monoxide poisoning by forcing them to ride in the back of a U-Haul truck. You've probably seen their stickers on a trash can in your local downtown, or maybe you've driven by a racist banner drop. But when all is said and done, hopefully you'll only remember them as having been sued into the center of the earth, which is what I want to talk to you about today. Oh, all right. That's, I am I'm unbelievably excited. We won't be getting into the sensual pat-downs, unfortunately. This is just court records. Okay, well, I, I, can, I, can, always, I can always find that on Telegram. That's fine. <laughs> But before we get into who is suing Patriot Front, let's get a quick refresher on who they are and how they came to be scurrying around and matching windbreakers promoting a white ethno state, because I think their origin story really informs the way they've backed themselves into this corner. Patriot Front came into existence in late 2017 when it splintered off the now defunct neo-Nazi group Vanguard America. The split was months in the making with a power struggle brewing between Vanguard America leader Dylan Hopper and a young up-and-coming fascist named Thomas Rousseau, who was at that time barely out of high school. In the months leading up to the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville in August 2017, Rousseau edged Hopper out of his own organization in what Hopper called a literal coup. By the time Vanguard America was marching in the streets of Charlottesville, Rousseau was not only in control of the group's internal communications, he was calling the shots on the ground. Hopper didn't even attend. 
And it was that event, the Unite the Right rally, that birthed Patriot Front. In those chaotic morning hours of August 12, 2017, a young man named James Alex Fields Jr. joined the men under Rousseau's command. He didn't ride with the core group from Texas in their rented van, which they called the hate bus. Oh my, wait, did did they really call it the hate bus? Rousseau was, back then, he was sort of um, Asmodore's protege. I don't know that they'll claim that now, but back then, like this adult alcoholic Nazi was mentoring this fascist teen. Like he was, he had just graduated high school. Many such cases. Yeah, so they came up in the hate bus, but all right. But Fields drove here alone. He drove overnight from Ohio, uh, but he was wearing the group's uniform, a white polo, khaki pants, and carrying a shield bearing Vanguard's logo. He joined in with the members of Vanguard America as they loitered around a public park, chanting Nazi slogans. Fields stood shoulder to shoulder in a line of Vanguard members guarding the entrance to the park where the rally was to be held, preventing counter-protesters from entering. A few hours later, after the rally had been called off by the state police declaring an unlawful assembly, Fields drove his Dodge Challenger into a crowd of counter-protesters, killing Heather Heyer and injuring dozens of others. In later litigation, Dylan Hopper, responding for Vanguard America, was asked about his immediate reaction to hearing about the attack. That afternoon, in the group's Discord, Hopper posted, Commies died. That's good enough for me. This was, of course, before he'd seen the photos of the murderer mingling with his hate group. In a deposition three years later, he didn't disavow that initial reaction. He said Heather Heyer's death was a tragedy, the same way it would be tragic if a surfer who knowingly entered shark-infested waters was killed by a shark, saying it was that woman's choice to be there. But he maintained that Fields was never a member of the group, that anyone could have put on a white polo and stood near them in the park, that anyone could have handed Fields that shield. His testimony was that Vanguard America didn't actually have membership lists. There was no official record of who was a member but he somehow also knew that Fields was not a member. In that 2020 deposition, he claimed that he spoke to Rousseau in the days after the rally, and Rousseau admitted that he had been the one to make the choice to allow Fields to march with them in an attempt to make the group appear larger than it really was. And Fields himself never claimed to be a member of the organization. In his federal sentencing memo, his defense attorney wrote that he'd never been a member of any organized group. But the damage to Vanguard America was done, and almost every photo of Fields taken that morning, just hours before he committed a hate crime murder that would send him to prison for the rest of his life, he certainly looks like he's with them. The night after the rally, as Rousseau was still trying to make his way home to Texas, he posted in the Vanguard Discord, about the issue with the man who ran into protesters with his car. He was certainly not a member, and none of us know him. Our shields were given widely to anyone at the rally, and we had many extras. There is no criminal conspiracy but handing a person a piece of wood and agreeing on fashion. Legally, we have been in contact with folks with legal experience, and we're fine. As far as PR, yes, it's bad. But last week, they called us evil white supremacist Nazi killers, and today they're calling us the same thing. Shrug it off. When members complained that they shouldn't be disavowing the actions of the murderer, Rousseau clarified that... Quote, the statement never said that what he did was wrong, just clarified that he wasn't a member. People aren't buying it anyway. So neither Rousseau nor Hopper were willing to say what Fields did should not have happened. They didn't disavow the murder. Hopper's comments seemed genuinely supportive of the murder. They were willing to cheer on the bloodshed, but the way the blood looked on their own hands was going to be a PR problem. Now, for me, the whole Nazi thing is kind of a deal breaker from the start, branding wise, like just from the jump, there's a branding issue, there's an eagle, there's a fascist, there's the blood and soil thing. It's just, it's not a good look. Could you briefly explain what a fascist is? <laughs> right. So it is a bundle of sticks, right? It's, um, it's an old uh, Roman symbol, right? Right. It's, it comes from, you know, the Roman empire. So it's this very, you know, return to tradition. I think Mussolini brought it back. <laughs> yeah. And like you can break one stick pretty easily, but if they're all bundled together, then it's then then it's then it's harder to break. Apes together strong. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just saw the preview for the new Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh, but that's not the issue for them in this 2017 rebrand, right? It's it, the Nazi thing, not the deal breaker. But it's hard to shake the association with a hate crime murder. You can yeah. deny he was a member. But the pictures of the murderer holding your logo and standing right next to you are going to follow you. So just three weeks after the rally, Thomas Rousseau announced in the Vanguard America Discord that he was launching a full rebrand, calling the new group Patriots Front. That S gets dropped later, but Patriots Front. Yeah, that is a way worse name. 
Yeah. Patriots front to say that is that is really hard to say. They but may- not not possessive either. There's no apostrophe. It's just like Patriots front. Oh yeah, that's weird. They made a good call dropping that S. So they really fine tuned it there in the end. That was the clutch. only the only good thing they've done besides just keep getting arrested. But yeah. So the message wasn't changing. The ideology's not changing. The manifesto got a little fresh polish, but the real change was optics. Rousseau recognized the need for broader appeal for new recruits and for plausible deniability on the group's surface. You can get away with saying a lot more Nazi shit if you put an American flag on the hats and a founding father on the homepage than you can if you're sporting a Sonnenrad and posting Hitler memes. Yeah, all of their their kind of outwards visual style is all very like American. It is it is it is it is American. There's a bit of like a military kind of kind of a, a cleanliness to it, but it's very much like they're going full Americana. Oh yeah, it's I mean, it's it's Americana. It's like Patriot kitsch, right? Like it's a few tin signs yeah. away from being a Fuddruckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it, it, it's it's very much not like German Nazi. It's like right. It's like USA with some like U.S. Army signifiers, that kind of stuff. But the you know the sentiment behind it is the same. You can take yeah, away yes. the Black Eagle and the Fasci. Like actually, they kept the Fasci's. It's just red, white, and blue now. There, USA all the way, baby. I mean, to be fair, it's all, the it's United, all the money. To be fair, the United States of America also uses a fascist. Right, I'm not like you know crying for the sullying of the of the branding of of the United States of America, but it's clear what the intention was here. Right? Yes, it's, it's yes. to sort of hide behind that Americana. Yeah. But in the six and a half years since that rebrand, Thomas Rousseau has maintained tight personal control over the entire group, now called Patriot Front. You can almost read that as a reaction to his first major setback as a white supremacist organizer. You know, he'd led some smaller rallies in Texas before Unite the Right, but that was his first big day out commanding the Nazi group, right? And as a result of that day, the entire group was tarnished by the association of, you know, in their telling, some random guy who was just near them. We just happened to hang out with people who like doing murders, you know. Right, you know, like it goes like what Hopper was saying in his deposition, right? Like, well, she was in shark-infested waters. Like, by your own admission, you're you, the sharks. You, you are the sharks. Yeah, you're saying that you are a flesh-eating shark. But that's not possible anymore now, right? So you can't just be some guy who's marching with Patriot Front because their events are never announced ahead of time. You have to get the official group merch from the group after being interviewed and vetted. You can't just show up and march with them unless you're a member, because only members know when the events are going to be. Yeah. There's no chance that some unvetted hanger-on is going to be standing near them. And that does solve the problem posed by someone like James Fields, but it creates a new problem. Real legal liability. By establishing so clearly and so firmly that anybody who's marching with you, wearing your hat and your jacket, following your orders through the megaphone, you have established that all of those people answer to you and you know them and you approve that they were there. Now you're responsible. Yeah, you make, you make the classic mistake of having an actual official like members list. Right. So now you now you no longer have the option of saying, well, that guy wasn't with us. We don't know him. And that's where the lawsuits enter the picture. So right now there are three active federal lawsuits against Patriot Front, one in Virginia, one in Massachusetts and one in North Dakota. And the underlying actions and some of the claims vary, but all three lawsuits are making the same central claim, a Section 1985 complaint alleging a conspiracy by Patriot Front and its members to deprive the plaintiffs of their civil rights. And I think it's really interesting. This is dry as hell. Maybe it's only interesting to me. <laughs> I think it's really interesting to look at the original context of that statute, right? That code section. Sure. It comes out of the Enforcement Act of 1871. You familiar with the Enforcement Acts? <laughs> going, going into deep civil war lore. You know, going back uh, to Reconstruction. I'm Canadian. Uh, I don't. <laughs> The American legal system has been something I've been learning the past uh, 10 years. It is by no means the specialty of my research or knowledge. Yeah, I'm not like a a big Civil War guy. You know, I've I've accidentally and against my will learned a lot about the Civil War because we've been arguing about these statues for a few years. Sure. But Reconstruction, I think, is is really overlooked. You know, in my own education in public school, there was like two paragraphs about Reconstruction and then we just sort of like moved on. I, I I had like a semester on it. It is certainly one of the more tragic periods of american history how we we seem to almost have figured something out and then it all went down the drain pretty quick we really whiffed it um but the enforcement act of 1871 is also called the ku klux klan act 
Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. These guys. We're getting somewhere. So when President Grant signed the KKK Act into law in 1871, support for Reconstruction was starting to falter. And there was genuine fear that the 1872 presidential election would bring on a new wave of Klan violence in the South. And that's starting to sound a little familiar, isn't it? You know, people are getting tired. People are getting tired of being asked to address deep-rooted systemic inequalities. There's an upcoming and uncertain presidential election. There's growing fear of vigilante violence by roving bands of masked racists. You know, like everything old is new again. That that sounds like kind of like right now. Yeah. That's wild. (laughs) So, you know, there have been other enforcement acts. This wasn't the first one. But the Ku Klux Klan Act was specifically tailored to address the question of freelance violence, right? So normally, if you are suing over a civil rights violation, there are only remedies available to you when your rights have been violated by a state actor, a cop, sure. a government body, the law itself. The so IRS. You, you, usually, yeah. <laughs> you can really only seek legal remedy when your rights are violated by the state. This one's a little different. Because during Reconstruction, a lot of that violence, the intimidation, the actions being taken to deprive Black Americans of their newly granted rights, was being undertaken by private actors organizing together. Again, it's starting to feel familiar. A group yeah, of white- it's, it's not like there could be groups of, of, of armed extremists monitoring voting sites, trying to scare people away from, uh, <laughs> from voting in no an election. That could, that could never happen now. We've learned no lessons, right? So groups of white men organizing themselves, wearing matching outfits, conspiring to undertake actions to intimidate, harass, and harm the people they believe that are standing between them and the white America they were born to run, right? Yeah. So this statute originally provided for both civil and criminal liability for these conspiracies. Interesting. And that first year, Grant went hard in the paint with it. Oh, like he he went full, full hog. Like as soon as he signed this into law, <laughs> he was red D. So in that first year or two after after he signed the act, he broke the back of the Klan. Hundreds of Klansmen were prosecuted in South Carolina alone. They were arresting so many Klansmen so quickly that hundreds of them just went to their local courthouse and turned themselves in because they knew it was coming. Oh my God. It killed the Klan. Wow. But even before the Supreme Court decided 12 years later that, I mean, when it comes to the crime part of this, maybe we should let the states handle it, right? Uh Uh-huh. So it no longer has a a criminal liability component. Um, So there's just the civil liability left under that law. Uh, But even before the Supreme Court made that ruling in 1883, the Klan Act prosecutions pretty much ended when Reconstruction died, right? It was this brief moment in time when there was any appetite to do anything about this. Yeah. And it faded out pretty quickly. So today it's up to the victim to seek their own civil remedy when they're terrorized by the sons of the Klansmen we couldn't reconstruct. Well, do you know what we should construct, Molly? Oh, God, yeah. Robert told me that if I don't come up with a cool way to throw to ads, he's going to put me in a dog kennel and airdrop me onto an island where successful podcasters hunt people like me for sport. So That does sound like something he would say. But we could construct a compelling ad transition. <laughs> Let's take it to the ads. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. All right, and we are back, Garrison, and I'm going to tell you what's in these lawsuits. I am so excited to hear about Patriot Front having to read niche law. <laughs> well, the problem is they're pretending they don't have to. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that is also what I would do. I would be, <laughs> I would be like, no, no way. I am not reading that. Fuck you. Well, we'll get to that in a second. So the first case filed uh, was in Richmond, Virginia. So right here in my backyard. All right. So thanks to repeated leaks of Patriot Front's internal communications and documents, we actually have video of them doing what's being alleged in this lawsuit. Which is in- inconvenient for them. It's not great. So the suit alleges, and the video literally shows, that in October 2021, a couple of Patriot Front members vandalized a mural in a public park in Richmond. The mural celebrated American tennis legend Arthur Ashe. Ashe was born and raised in Richmond and started playing tennis as a child at Brookfield Park, which in the 50s, um, when Ashe was a child, was one of the few public parks open to black residents. Um, It was also the park that his father was the caretaker of. Right. So Arthur Ashe, Richmond Public Parks, like there's this is a relationship from his childhood. Right? Yeah, it's like a very important place. <laughs> He's you know one of the best tennis players in American history, and he grew up. Um, his father worked for the park. He learned to play tennis at that park. That park, Brookfield Park, actually no longer exists, but the park where the mural was installed is in a predominantly black neighborhood. Okay. Um, in the video they filmed of the vandalism, one Patriot Front member supportively tells two others to, quote, get the fucking N-word. They, they say it. I'm not. Yeah. Get the N-word's face as they're covering it up with spray paint so, and then play. Sorry. <laughs> So they filmed this themselves, right? They filmed this themselves and used it in later promotional videos. <laughs> Videotaping this crime spree was the best idea we ever had. Like, this is so funny that they they just can't stop filming them doing crimes. Like they're not just taking notes on the conspiracy. They're filming themselves enthusiastically participating in it, right? God, that's so, so funny. You know, in the promotional videos, there's no sound, but in the leaked documents... It's the yeah. original uncut video. Once you have saying, like, once you have like discovery or something, also all 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 that audio exists. That is a it is the privilege of the court to be able to listen to that. Well, we have so you know in, in when they cut their promos, you know they're playing like cool music over it. Sure, but in the leaked version that we got from, um, I think it was the it was in the Rocket Chat leaks. It was in the second big leak. Okay, you can hear them saying like you know get the fucking N words face as they're spray painting over Arthur Ashe's face and then yep. stenciling over that with their logo. Sure. <laughs> I like that they're just like, hey, it was us. They're just like leaving it fair. And just, just, just so we're super clear about this, this is racially motivated. Put that on the tape. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so this is probably the weaker of the three cases, right? Um, the plaintiffs in this suit are basing their 1985 claim that you know this is a racially motivated conspiracy to interfere with the right of black residents. To enjoy a place of public accommodation, right? That the, a place of public accommodation is sort of the, the legal structure for places where you're not allowed to fuck with my rights. Um, in yeah. this case, it's a public park. 
Um, the suit makes a similar and separate claim under Virginia's civil conspiracy law for racial, religious, and ethnic harassment. And unlike the other two suits, this complaint is pretty specific about who the defendants are because they recorded the planning meeting and the act of vandalism <laughs> and because anti-fascist researchers have identified many of the real names behind the pseudonyms. Ah. Uh. So these plaintiffs name not just the organization itself and Thomas Rousseau, but seven individual members who were involved, and they hope to identify 19 John Doe defendants in discovery. And so the most recent suit, the third one to be filed, we'll get back to the second one in a second, um, is similar to the Richmond suit because it also arises out of an instance of vandalism. But this one looks a little stronger, I think. I, mean, I, I should be clear, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just um, an enthusiastic consumer of the law. Y yes. You, you, you spend a lot of time reading what I would call extremely boring documents. Oh, I love my document. I pay thousands of dollars a year to look at these documents. <laughs> oh, it's that drill post. Like, please, someone please help me. <laughs> someone who's good at budgeting. <laughs> we will do our best to give you as many documents as you want, Molly. These documents cost 10 cents a page. I'm a single issue voter on free access to federal court documents. Yeah, all, all my homies hate Pacer. So in the Richmond case, we have black residents in a black neighborhood alleging a racial intimidation at a place of public accommodation, a public park. But in North Dakota, the suit is brought by the North Dakota Human Rights Coalition, the Immigrant Development Center, and an unnamed plaintiff who works at the Immigrant Development Center. I mean, it arises out of two acts of vandalism at the International Market Plaza in Fargo, North Dakota. The International Market Plaza is run by the Immigrant Development Center. It's a large indoor market space that supports immigrant-run small businesses and has community spaces for the immigrant community. Sounds cool. Yeah, there's like shops and restaurants and after-school programs for kids and business development classes. I'm sure there's great food. Yeah, it seems, it seems nice. They seem like good people. In September of 2022, Patriot Front trespassed onto the nonprofit's property and spray-painted the windows with their logo. And so this was not an isolated incident, right? Patriot Front had targeted other businesses in the Fargo area in the months leading up to this, including a queer worker-owned coffee shop. So the tenants at the marketplace knew who Patriot Front was and what the messages on the windows meant. And they were understandably frightened to have been targeted and fearful that this could escalate. And it did. Two days later, Patriot Front came back to the marketplace and destroyed a mural celebrating multiculturalism, including placing Patriot Front logos over the faces of women in hijabs in one panel of the mural. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had to like call up shops or businesses after they've been targeted or I've like seen I've 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 like seen on Telegram like, oh this thing's happening in this area and be like explain to like this poor this like poor employee like who who this is and why it's happening and like what to do. Cause they're often very like confused. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, it sucks that how much they try to like involve just regular people trying to like make just like live out their day, but also like specifically targeting people of color, tar targeting the LGBTQ community. And yeah, it is, it is, it is an unfortunately very common occurrence because a, a lot of Patriot Front's activity when they're not marching around uh, getting beat up in Philadelphia are just putting up like stickers and doing graffiti. Like that, that is kind of most of what they do. Sometimes they'll do like a banner drop or something. Well, the thing about the stickers is, I don't know if everyone is deep in the lore, but it's required. You're, yes, so the, yeah. so it's, that's what they call their activism, right? In so order to be a member, member, you have to post pictures of you putting up stickers. Like there are like spreadsheets and documents and your network director is keeping tabs and you have to report in every week about what activism you've engaged in and you have to provide video and photo proof of you doing these acts of vandalism. Which like, is also <laughs> pretty smart on Patriot Front's part because they also sell their stickers. So it's it's a it's a great pyramid scheme. Yeah, it's it's got MLM energy. Yeah, I I know uh uh Robert Rundo and the Patriot Front guy were like working <laughs> together on a sticker manufacturing business for a while. I don't think that's working out super well for Rundo, but uh Yeah, he's <laughs> um currently awaiting trial in prison, right? I believe so. Yeah. After fleeing to what is it like Romania for yeah, like found two him in, years? Like Belgrade, who's extradited Bel from Belgrade, Serbia. Yes, yes, S -S Serbia. That that's that's where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rough. But so in this case, you know, it's this is not just stickers, right? The stickers that you could peel off. You know, you're uncomfortable, you're scared, but you could peel those stickers off and move on with your day. They spray painted over a mural that sure. cost forty five thousand dollars. Oh, so well, this is this is interesting because I'm not a law expert, but. They may be financially liable for that extremely high cost. Right. So unlike in the Arthur Ashe mural, which was property of the city of Richmond, you know, so the plaintiffs in that suit don't own that mural. They just yeah. 
feel that they've been infringed upon by because now they're afraid to go to the public park. In yeah. this case, the plaintiff has been financially damaged to a uh-huh. significant degree. This mural was they, they got a grant. They you know had community input. It was made by a local artist. And now it is destroyed. It is a yeah. thing of value. It is their property. Um, and the law really cares about property. So oh, now we have. Oh, yeah. Now we have quantifiable damage to property belonging to the plaintiff. And you know, in, after these two incidents, individual shopkeepers had to buy their own security cameras. They shortened their hours because they were scared to be there after dark. Uh, and the marketplace as a whole actually still operates on reduced hours due to safety concerns. Um, the executive director of the nonprofit had to buy a security system for her home and doesn't like to go to work un- unaccompanied. I mean, yeah. there's genuine fear in this place now. Well- that's the other thing is that the, these sorts of acts of vandalism come with like an implicit threat of violence that we can get together a crew of five guys wearing masks and show up at this place of work or we could already be there when you, when you like arrive. Well, there was there's actually in the lawsuit one of the paragraphs in the suit says, you know, that the day after this happened, I guess the day in between the two separate acts, a couple of white guys acting sketchy were wandering around the marketplace taking pictures of people. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, People are scared. The marketplace's immigrant shopkeepers and customers absolutely understood the intent of this vandalism. And it was the same message that they chanted here in Charlottesville. You will not replace us, right? Loud and clear in those in that spray paint. And so their ability to transact business, to use a place of public accommodation, to feel safe in public was taken from them in an organized, pre-planned act arising out of discriminatory animus. And again, that, that sort of discriminatory animus clause is important in application of this statute, Right. So in the North Dakota suit, they're suing Patriot Front, the organization, Thomas Rousseau as its leader, and the regional network director for that area, Trevor Valescu. Um, and they're also seeking to identify 10 John Doe's in discovery. So they don't know who all of these guys are that are getting sued, but they're going to find out. And the third suit, Boston lawsuit, is really the most straightforward. A black man got assaulted. There's video. The video was actually taken by a member of Patriot Front from once inside. again, once again, <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse. So the video was taken by the member who, from inside the ranks of the march, and it shows members making physical contact with Charles Morrell on a public sidewalk in Boston. So they were up there. It was just before Fourth of July. They were marching on Boston's Freedom Trail. I think um, I re- remember this one. Yeah, and. Charles Morrell was um, outside the public library. He was a, a busker. He was playing music outside the library on the sidewalk. And this video didn't get leaked. This video, they posted themselves. They yep. posted it proudly on their Telegram channel. Yep. And they posted it on their Telegram channel the day the lawsuit was filed. Genius. Genius move. Once again, the galaxy brain folks over at Patriot Front just cannot stop putting pretty dog shit electronic music over videos of them doing crimes. And so even though I would say if 13 months after this incident occurred, I'm just randomly posting a video of this happening. That's, that's so weird. I would say it's probably because you, you know that you're being sued, but they, are refu- they have not acknowledged this lawsuit. They sure. don't acknowledge that this suit exists. Which, which the government loves when people don't acknowledge lawsuits that are happening to them. You, you can't just like, la, 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 your way out of a lawsuit. I mean, you yeah. can try to go into hiding like forever. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And so just a few weeks ago, when Patriot Front was like wandering around in the snow at the March for Life in D.C., a reporter asked Rousseau um, about the incident in Boston. He didn't bring up the lawsuit. I wish he had. I would love to get him on tape on that one. But yeah. he asked him about the incident in Boston. And Rousseau continues to claim that, like, look, we've posted the video and it exonerates us. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure it does, buddy. When I watch the video, I mostly just see a masked gang of fascists using their custom made and branded metal shields to beat a black man who's using a public sidewalk, forcing him into the street and slamming his head into the pole and he had to get stitches. But I guess it's like it's up for the courts to decide if him being in their way was the real crime here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they was. I mean, it's funny because like, it's 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 not funny. But I have I have I have seen cops before use this exact same justification. It's, well, it's different when the cops just, do it. Yes, it is different because cops are special little boys. Because you can't sue them. Yeah, but it, no, it it is funny how much Patriot Front are just trying to act like want to be cops who do graffiti. Right, like if you wanted to be a riot cop, like most cities are hiring. Just be a riot cop. That's not that hard. I've I've seen a lot of guys doing it that I don't think are capable of much else. Yeah. So 
so in this in the Boston lawsuit, the named defendants are just Thomas Rousseau and Patriot Front. Um, but they are hoping to identify John Doe's one through ninety nine. Well, I, I, I only wish them good luck. So, Garrison, you were saying, you know, you can't just hide forever, right? I'm you, usually not. Well, you could try. You, you, you can certainly that. Look, you can you can always try. There are certain people hiding who I I wish only the best. There are many others hiding who I think are probably bad people and it's not like I enjoy the violence of the state, but if if someone happens to stumble into uh experience the, experiencing the, the violence of the state while also wanting to wish violence upon me and my friends, I uh I'm not going to stop that from happening. So these lawsuits, right? They got Filed, But filing a lawsuit just means you paid a fee to give it to the court clerk. When you're suing someone, you have to serve them with papers. Yep. To serve them with papers, you have, you have to, to find them. You have to track them down. And normally that's pretty straightforward, right? People have homes, they have jobs, they have routines, they have friends and family. There's places they go, there's places they shop. You, you, can, you can find most people because most people aren't hiding. And most people aren't good at hiding. But Thomas Rousseau does not seem to want to be found. Now, the first suit filed, um, the Virginia suit, they did manage to serve Rousseau at that house in Grapevine, Texas, that his father was had owned, no longer owns. Yeah. Um, but he and some other Patriot Front members were living in that house. Yep. But not long after those papers were served to him there, that house was sold in a foreclosure sale. God, I'm sure that house smelled awful. Oh, uh, imagine. The, the, oh. I mean, it's you like never, a, it's you like, never got to feel bad for the foreclosure sale guy. It's like a gym locker in there. Ugh. Imagine having to stage that house for sale. No, the the only only worse smell is inside the Patriot Front U-Hauls. Cause oh wow, driving six hours in the Idaho in the Idaho summer with like thirty other guys in the back of that truck, it must be awful. Do you remember? I think it was in the first leak. Some of the guys were complaining about how when they had to ride in the back of the U-Haul, they were getting sick and like passing out and throwing I bet. up. Like, oh my god! Imagine you're locked in there, throwing up, having to smell everyone else's vomit. But also, like, there's carbon monoxide and it's hot. Like, you're not supposed to be back there. It's so funny. But the advice that the advice that Rousseau gave them when they were saying, like, "Hey, like, we we were getting sick back there. Like, it's it's not safe. Like, we were barfing and passing out." He recommended that they practice overheating. Yes. Just get better. Just get better at being hot. You're like like endurance tested. Just start hanging out in the back of U-Hauls for fun. That's actually not how heat stroke works, but... No, I'm I'm pretty sure you could just think your way through heat stroke. Look, I I think a Chad alpha male should be able to to sit in a packed truck for 17 hours, be totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) So the house, the stinky house... Sold, foreclosed. So by the time the Boston lawsuit process server came to find him there, it was already for sale. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. Nobody, nobody to serve. So they hired a legal research firm. They sent process servers to addresses all over Texas, and they came up empty. So what do you do when a guy who knows process servers are looking for him can't be found? Should have served him at that march in Washington, D.C. Honestly, why were they not mobilized for that? I could have told you they were going to be there. I mean, I think that would require some collaboration with like anti-fascist researchers who like know when these things are happening. So like that, I think that's probably why is that that, that's just a little bit tricky. But if, if, if there were more willingness for collaboration, I think that probably could be successful. You could find him, right? So if I were to, for example, file a lawsuit against you today. Uh, Why? What have I done? I'm so innocent. (laughs) If I just never, if I just filed my lawsuit, pay the fee to file it, but I just never served you, that's on me. That's my fault. I yeah. didn't take the necessary steps. My suit's going to get dismissed. Yeah. But if I'm really trying, I'm hiring investigators. I'm knocking on neighbors' doors to ask if they've seen you. I'm looking under every rock for any sign of where you might be. That's different. That's, di- that's not on me anymore. That's on you. And there's ample precedent for this, right? And the law is pretty clear. You can't escape being sued by playing cat and mouse. The old Tom and Jerry method. <laughs> And I feel like once I start saying things like the federal rules of civil procedure, people are going to turn the podcast okay. All off. Right. They're well, going to turn that, it off. That does it for us today, folks, and it could happen here. Thank you for listening. But so in federal court, <laughs> the rules allow alternative service by means that are allowable in that state, right? So even though they're in federal court in North Dakota, they can use methods available in North Dakota courts to serve their, their defendants. Um, and so in North Dakota, if you've tried your best, you've exhausted the normal means, conducted a diligent search— you can do what's called service by publication, 
which means you just publish a notice in the newspaper. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. And you have to you have, you have to try really hard first, right? Like they they really did try. They hired investigators, they hired servers, like they they did they did their due diligence. Yeah. And so the judge said, "Okay, you tried your best. Put it in the paper that they got mad." <laughs> Put it in the paper that they got sued. Um and so they did. They published the notification in a Cass County, North Dakota newspaper for a few All weeks right. in a row. And so now, as far as that court is concerned, they've been served. All right. And it worked. A few weeks later, they got a lawyer. Oh, oh, okay. This is, this is, this is uh, news to me. Yeah, things are moving. Things are moving. So the North Dakota lawsuit, the two named individual defendants, Thomas Rousseau and network director Trevor Valescu, they got a lawyer. And his name... It's going to sound familiar to you because it is Jason Lee Van Dyke. Oh, oh, well, I, you, you got to love dykes. I mean, like, what's not to love? Not, not the a, good kind. Not oh, the good oh, kind. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I'm receiving some special intel. This is, this is not, not what I was thinking. No, unfortunately, um, if his name does sound familiar to you, it might be because for 36 hours at, towards the end of 2018, he was the national chairman of the Proud Boys, but then actually he quit instead. Uh, honestly, one of the one of the smarter moves. <laughs> yeah, so he had, he'd represented um, Proud Boys in various legal actions over the years. Um, he was a member for several years, but as his LinkedIn currently and rather aggressively notes, he is not a Proud Boy anymore. A lot of a, a lot of people are asking questions about my shirt. Already saying I am not a Proud Boy. Hum, interesting. Yeah, I feel like no, I actually, I actually am familiar with this guy. He was yeah. uh, involved in a, in a suit with a group I was looking into a few years back. Yeah, he's done a little bit of movement lawyering. So this isn't his yeah. first rodeo. And he denies that he is a member of Patriot Front, though he has spoken to the press num- on numerous occasions um, claiming to represent various members of Patriot Front. Sure, I mean, I, but he's I, not a member. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> sure. I like. Um, he has specifically denied allegations that he is Patriot Front user John Texas in the leaked chats, although. Oh, OK. Well, hmm. he says that he is not. John Texas has a lot in common with Jason Van- Lee Van Dyke, huh. but okay. Jason Lee Van Dyke denies that he is John Texas. OK, well, I'm sure I look, I have no reason to not trust a dyke. So, yeah, I'm sure that's fine. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. So he lives in North Texas, right? Where, you know, oh, he, oh, he does. Huh. Home, home base for these Patriot Front boys. Yeah. He's never practiced in North Dakota before. He's not barred in North Dakota. Wait, what? But inexplicably. So, you know, you have to take the bar exam to be in a state bar. Um, yeah. Normally, normally to get admitted to a federal court, you have to be barred in that state. North Dakota doesn't require that. You just have to oh. pay a fee. Okay. But huh. So it's a little it's strange. Um, he applied to be admitted to the um, the federal court in North Dakota right around the time this lawsuit got filed. Huh. But then he didn't actually enter an appearance until the judge said, yeah, they've been served. You can't hide. So he did know about it. I would, yeah, he was I just... I would guess. I would it, guess that it he seems did like, know. It seems like he knew and he was just working with Patriot Front to make it uh, harder to be served. Is Again, that's not, a, it's not, that's not a legal claim I'm making. I'm just, I'm no. just making a, a, a guess. I'm just saying he has never practiced in North Dakota before, but he did apply to be admitted to the court around the time the lawsuit was filed. That's all. Huh, interesting. The Boston case is a little wilder, right? So it's 2024. We're all online. And it's not actually unheard of to get permission from the court to serve someone electronically if you've tried everything else. Yeah. I've heard of cases where someone got served by a Facebook messenger, which just feels demeaning. Wow, that's, that's so depressing. Imagine. Like you can send a minion sticker with it. <laughs> oh, God. Horrible vibes. But I need to do a little more research to figure out if this is the first time a federal judge has had to decide whether a gab DM is legally sufficient no. notice that no, you're no you know you're joking there's no way <laughs> no absolutely not yeah yeah okay well we will we will learn what gab is after i take a break i need to like walk around for a few minutes and just process that for a second while you guys uh, listen yeah to some ads. Here's, here's here's some ads i'm just i'm, I'm just gonna process that for for, <laughs> for a while this is 
Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. All right, we, we are back. Get, get, Molly, I hope that a lot, of, a lot of our listeners don't know what Gap is. They shouldn't hope. be on there. It's not but good. that means that you have to explain what Gap is, which isn't that hard. It's just kind of annoying. It's just sort of like a less functional Facebook for Nazis. Well, I, I think originally it was Twitter for Nazis, but now Twitter is Twitter for Nazis. <laughs> But it has more of a f- sort of Facebook interface to me. Oh, I, I, I always, th- I always thought of it as having a, a, a way more of like an, a, of like an older Twitter interface. Yeah, because it has, it has like groups and a marketplace. Like it does have groups and marketplace. I think it started as a Twitter clone that started to right. add more Facebook features. That's um, mostly to like sort of like the evolutionary thing where everything turns into crabs. Boomers turn everything into Facebook. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, it is the Facebookification of all social media. I, I, I think those changes were made to like to support more like a uh, collaboration between users because they wanted it to be like a place where Nazis could like also organize. But yeah, it, it very much started in like oh, what 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 year it was like twenty eighteen ish. I want to say twenty sixteen. Oh, I, I could pull the incorporation documents, but I think I think it's a little older than that. But it wasn't popular until. I didn't get a Gab account until 2018. <laughs> it was in the news a lot in 2018. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mass shooters were using it, and yes. then their accounts were in the court documents. Yes. Um, but it was already, you know, popular among certain sets. By it, then. it was. It was certainly around for a while. Um, it their logo is a frog. I'm sure there's nothing. I'm sure that's completely normal. But yeah, it 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 started off as just a, a, a social media app for Nazis, uh, almost exclusively used by white supremacists. It's a free speech platform. It, it is a free speech platform. It, it was kind of, it was, 
I, I, I like parlor came a few years later which was more of like a maga ish version get like gab was for like actual nazis right whereas parlor you could find like you know like like anyone from like mega people conservative politicians you could you you found a lot of like proud boy chapters but gab was like no you were like explicitly white supremacists there's not a lot of plausible deniability in a yeah. gab account the way there was maybe with parlor a little bit now gab is still a thing i, I think uh i i mostly use it to watch the gdl who posts a, <laughs> posts a lot on gab um but i think a, a lot of unfortunately a whole bunch of people who were on gab are just now back on actual twitter or in prison and and in, you know some would say that those two things have a lot in common which is not actually true because prison uh, is way worse but the same the same posts kind of got them to both places just yes. different different yeah, paths yes yes uh anyway so okay but that's gab yeah, i that's i i did not know that a feature of gab could be serving some could be serving someone lawsuit papers that is something i did not know well, it turns out you can't attach a PDF to a Gab DM, so we oh did run into some trouble. Oh my god, this is so dumb. <laughs> so Charles Morell's lawyers were given permission to serve Patriot Front and Thomas Rousseau via several online means, right? Okay. So in this, mo in this motion for this, uh, this permission for alternate service, they identified two email addresses and social media accounts regularly used by the group on Telegram, Odyssey, BitChute, and Gab. I mean, I certainly would have gone for Telegram. Odyssey and BitChute are like youtube and twitch clones for nazis right. uh, in case th the listener is curious don't go there don't it's not worth do, it do not go there my my Who's god i have been I've, I've i have been on there way too much this week and i have seen some of the worst shit it's not good on there no it so is it's poor, it poor process server right this this person who normally just like waits outside your work to serve you with papers is like now on gab right so the process server contacted all of the identified accounts and so when I was researching this, you know, I was trying to get an idea of how common this is, what the usual means are. And so I was looking through the cited case law in the motion. And one of the cases they cited kind of caught my eye. It's Havlish v. Bin Laden. Oh, Do you know him? I, uh, that name sounds familiar. Was, was he the one that did that thing like around like 20, 23-ish years ago? Were you was even it, born then? How old were I, you? I was, I was not. <laughs> oh, no. I was kidding. Yeah. Jesus. I thought, was, yeah. I thought I was just... Ribbing you. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, okay. yeah. Well, it is that Bin Laden, right? That's it, it, a is, it is the guy. It is the guy. Okay. It's the one. The one you're thinking of. So that's a lawsuit that was brought by families of people who died in 9-11. Um, so last year, a federal judge in New York gave those plaintiffs permission to serve legal notice to the Taliban via Twitter DM. Like uh, The Taliban? What a, what a time to be alive. The what Taliban? a time to be alive. Yeah. I mean, yes. I The, the Taliban Twitter account is certainly fascinating. They're really tr they're tr they're trying to hold the Taliban responsible for nine eleven, huh? I don't want to get like deep into the weeds about this particular case, but there's oh, some sure, sure, there's okay. some seized so like judgments have been awarded. There are seized funds sitting somewhere okay. in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they right. they want they want this money, right? And sure. so they needed to serve notice to the Taliban that they want this money. And so as wild as that sounds, there's actually a lot of similarities in the underlying legal logic here. So in both of these cases, the court is pretty specific that they're not just saying like, yeah, just like DM whoever and it's good enough, right? So in both of these cases, the account identified as being appropriate for service is pretty clear that it belongs to the person who's supposed to be served. Yep. And that that particular account has been used to make statements that indicate the individual already knows about the lawsuit. So this DMs, the service oh, by a DM, okay. That's isn't going to be a surprise, right? This isn't going to be the first time you're hearing about this. Like the court knows that you, you know. know. Okay. Which I just need to see the red receipt that you know. Uh-huh. Got it. Um. So in the case of the Taliban, the court notes that the accounts had previously published press releases related to the funds at issue in the underlying litigation. So it's like they they're posting about it. They know um, they're they're certainly posting the, Tal the Taliban is posting about the funds. OK, so in this case, it's Rousseau's bravado biting him in the ass. Right? And, like and he loves and he loves posting. My God. And the judge specifically refers to the fact that they posted the video of the incident the day the suit was filed, which indicates actual knowledge. Yes. Which is also a very interesting legal move on the part of Rousseau. <laughs> like the judge is reading your posts and he doesn't think they're good. Oh my God. Uh, nothing more scary than having to read out your posts to a federal judge. Jesus Christ. Post every day like a judge is going to read them over your shoulder. Uh, right? Yes. <laughs> Right, so they're just like randomly and for totally unrelated reasons posting this 13-month-old video the day the lawsuit gets filed. The judge doesn't buy that. Fasc again, a fascinating legal move. 
And so back to the Richmond case, right? We're still talking about service. And so the Richmond case, because it was filed first, maybe they weren't expecting to get sued. And because more of those plaintiffs were actually identified by anti-fascist researchers, they actually did manage to serve most of their defendants. They found yep. Thomas Dale, Nathan Noyce, Aidan Tredinick, and Daniel Turecci at their homes. A private investigator tracked Jacob Brown down hiding at a home owned by his mother in like upstate New York. William Ring was actually so- the easiest. Sorry, mom. <laughs> God, what a bunch of losers. Uh. But William Ring was actually the easiest defendant to find. Um, His papers were actually handed to someone to give to him. But this person was authorized to receive those papers because they were a corrections officer at the Fayette County Prison in Pennsylvania. Ah, Um, Ring was a a guest up there serving a sentence for beating a man over the head with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Hmm. Curious. It was an altercation over a refrigerator. It's very unclear. Oh, that's so sad. I, I thought it, I thought it was going to be like some like horrible racist assault, and uh, there there could be an element of racism in this. I, I'm not familiar with the oh, case. Oh no, don't don't worry, Garrison. He was there for a second offense that occurred around the same time, but separately, separate counties, even um, where he punched a child in the face after oh. telling her to go back to Mexico. Oh, okay. There, there we the, see that yeah. that is what yeah. I that's what I was expecting. All right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh man, it, it it does suck that sending Nazis to prison also has so many negative consequences. In it's definitely terms of not going to fix the anything. furthering of the white supremacist project is really reliant on there being Nazis in prison, and it sucks that that is such an organizational hub of them because uh, these people should not be around other people. Ah oh, man, yeah. I mean, just as an interesting aside, in both of those criminal cases, he hired a guy I've seen before. Very interesting. His name is Josh Smith. He was the lawyer that Matt Heimbach hired to represent him. Um, in the Sines v. Kessler case a few years ago. It was man always interesting the, to see an old friend again. Man with the most real name, Josh Smith. Oh, it's because it's not his real name. <laughs> That's well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, he was he was born Daniel Nussbaum. <laughs> of course, of course he was. I I I clocked that immediately. Wow, good good for me. Yeah, no, he was raised Jewish, um, but now he's a Holocaust denier. Oh, but so. this is so sad. Oh my God, he joined a Nazi gang. Yeah. He did. What yeah. the fuck? Oh, God. He's like, I have to pick a whiter name. Josh Smith. Josh wow. Smith. What a loser. He's not a very good lawyer either. Um, uh, his, well. his, perform- his performance in the science case was some of the strangest courtroom behavior I've I've ever seen. Like The judge had to keep reminding him of like, you can't, like, that's not the law. Like, you can't just say stuff. I love courtroom behavior being described as strange. <laughs> like, when the judge has to repeatedly remind you, like, how the law works, like how making motions works, like you can't just yell stuff. <laughs> it was a rough trial for him. Uh, he, um, his client does owe millions of dollars. He's the reverse Saul Goodman. Oh my God, Jesus Christ. But yeah, so, so <gasps> Ring hired him for his criminal cases and is in prison. Oh. But he didn't, he didn't hire him to represent him in this lawsuit because he didn't get a lawyer and he defaulted. Well, and so if you, there, if you default on a case, it means you're not allowed to participate anymore. And so the case is going to keep going and maybe you get found liable, but like you don't get to participate anymore. So when it's over, if you're liable, like that's kind of on you. Fuck you. <laughs> huh. Um, and so Thomas Rousseau, Jacob Brown and Patriot Front are also defaulted in that lawsuit. But the <laughs> other guys, Great. the other guys got a lawyer. They hired Another guy we've seen before. Uh, his name is Glenn Allen. He's a Maryland-based attorney who lost his job as counsel for the Baltimore Police Department after the SPLC identified him as a longtime member of the old-school neo-Nazi group National Alliance. Wow. Huh. Curious that, that the police would have a Nazi lawyer. That's weird. Yeah. Surely there's nothing to uh, interrogate there. No, there's nothing weird going on in Baltimore at the police department at all. It is certainly funny that they just hired the old police Nazi lawyer for their Nazi club. They're like, we need a lawyer who's who's someone who's been fired from the police for being a Nazi. So he's been keeping pretty busy the last few years. He spent a couple years trying to sue the SPLC for saying true stuff about him being a member of National Alliance. It didn't work out. All right. It didn't work out. Um, And he currently represents Warren Baylog um, in a doomed appeal of a previously dismissed lawsuit against the city of Charlottesville for failing to protect his right to have a good time at Unite the Right. Um, (laughs) So, uh well it's it's sort of um i don't know it's like feels a little slapstick right like we're just like throwing characters in yeah. there right we've got we've got the the 
formerly Jewish Holocaust denier Nazi. We've got the guy in prison for punching a little girl. Um, oh, the, the girl he told to go back to Mexico is Puerto Rican. I don't know that that matters to him, but she she can't she can't go back to Mexico. <sighs> Nazis yeah, just, fail at being racist challenge level impossible. Um, level impossible. But we're just like throwing characters in here. We got no, all it these is, guys. It, it is very cartoonish. Uh, yeah. But here we are at the end, right? I've taken up a lot of your time today, Garrison, telling you my little story. But what happens now, right? There's three live cases. They're starting, they're starting to crawl forward now that the judges agreed that you can serve them. I'm so excited for Discovery. My God. It's going to be a treat. It's uh, for me anyway. I'm getting the documents. Now, obviously, the plaintiff's goal here is recovery of damages. That's what the yeah. law allows for. They, can, they, they sue because they want to recover damages. And I wish them well in that. But I'm not like holding my breath. I think we can get some idea of what to expect here by looking back at the, the Sines v. Kessler lawsuit against the United Right organizers. It took four years to get to trial. Discovery was stymied by guys dropping their phones in toilets or just yes, not no. showing up. I'm, I'm sure a lot of what these lawyers are doing are collaborating with uh, defendants to make as little come out in Discovery as possible. Because that is be beyond beyond the actual court case. The thing that could actually be most damaging to them is is discovery like that 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 is the actual thing so I'm, I'm sure they're using all this extra time when they're avoiding recognizing the lawsuit to uh try to tidy up any dirty laundry they may have in a semi-legal fashion well they can't do that and so i'm not going to accuse anyone of a crime right destruction of evidence is is not allowed that's called spoliation right so once you have actual knowledge that you're being sued you are no longer allowed to destroy anything that might be discoverable Yep. Do people still do it? Sure. Do they Absolutely. always get caught? No. Am I implying that anyone is committing a crime at this juncture? Legally? No. But we'll see. But, you know, looking back at science, I don't think anybody's going to squeeze a few million out of any of those guys, right? Like, no. they were found liable, but they're not going to pay, right? And Thomas Rousseau started running his fascist club for friendless boys right out of high school. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have assets. He's not going to pay anybody any money, but what it can do is slow them down. They have to get lawyers. They have to show up in court. They have to participate in discovery. We've already seen plenty of leaked comms and internal planning documents. But now those documents and more will be entered into the court record, right? So, you know, researchers like you and I, we put out information all the time and people see it and it makes a difference. Um, but when something comes in with sort of the imprimatur of the, the court's legitimacy, like once you yeah. put a Bates number on that bad boy, yeah. they could put it on the news, the real news where normal people see it, right? So yeah, not not your like niche, not your niche like no blogs, the site that like 12 people check it on. Right. So like your mom watching Maddow is going to see this where like she's not reading Unicorn Riot. Yeah. So this will put this information in front of more people. It will have more legitimacy. Um. But I think the biggest impact this is going to have is on the willingness of potential members and current members to participate, right? Yeah, it makes things way more risky for people wanting to do this sort of stuff. Like maybe you're going to think twice about your group mandated racial intimidation now that you know you might have to pay for that. Yeah. You know, maybe joining looks a little less appealing. You know, it's hard to be optimistic about relying on the courts to meaningfully undermine white supremacist organizing. Sure. But it's worth a shot to gum up the works with whatever tools you have. Ab absolutely, I, I may not, I may not believe in like the law system TM as this, as this like universally good thing, or even like a like an like a valid thing. But I'm certainly uh, willing to have it severely uh, inconvenience my ontological enemies. <laughs> like, is it the best solution? No. Is it a solution? Maybe not at all. But it's worth a shot. It'll yeah. be, you know. I'm going to enjoy reading the documents either way. Abs absolutely. No, uh, that is, I, I am extremely intrigued to see what will come out in, uh, in Discovery, and I wish these people only the worst. So, <laughs> well, Molly, that was, that was fantastic. That was extremely informative. Um, I, you know, I, I always think it's impossible to find new ways to laugh at Patriot Front, yet here, <laughs> here we are. Imagine opening that DM. I wish they had record. They record everything. I wish they'd been recording that. God, that'd be funny. Yeah. Imagine getting served via Gab. I I would just get, you know I <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Um, anyway, well. No. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Where can people find you online, Molly, besides uh, uh, on our show now? I know. I'm very excited to be here. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Socialist Dog Mom, a name I chose as a little joke before I realized it was going to be my job. I, that is that. <laughs> I mean, that is the same. That is the same thing with my Twitter presence. So we are we are Ooh. in the same boat there. <laughs> yeah, you mostly just find me on Twitter. You can find me on my um, my ghost newsletter. It's like Substack, but there's less Nazis there. It's called The Devil's Advocates. There's a link to it on my Twitter. I post about um, what happens when you take white supremacy to court. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Molly. Uh, we, we, will, we will talk again soon to learn about, I'm sure, even, even new and more, more ridiculous things that uh, you have stumbled across by reading those documents I am too ADHD to look at. <laughs> it only ever gets worse, Garrison. Happen Year is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.